Hello, it is Monday, August 24th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Today I'm going to discuss why fighters should listen to Corey Anderson, um, what John McCarthy explaining the difference between a knockout and a technical knockout, the reason that the Venom deal needs to be much different than the Reebok deal, why Dana White should not be allowed to blow off the question about Ovin St. Prue and a production staff member testing positive for COVID-19, and Cody Garbrandt gets today's come on now. If you've been paying attention to the he said, he said, he said drama between the UFC Corey Anderson and John McCarthy you might be aware that there's some different opinions on how or why Corey Anderson is now with Bellator Dana White said that they let Anderson go which is kind of true Anderson said he was let go because he was asked to take short notice fights over unranked or lower ranked fighters and the UFC wouldn't pay him more for that I think was the take and that in the end he figured that being a prize fighter is more important to him than a UFC title. In other words, he he saw the light uh, after speaking to folks like Eddie Alvarez and Daniel Cormier that the main focus on his in his career should be money and not a UFC title. And if you listen to John McCarthy, he will tell you that I think. Anderson was on a bad contract, still on his tough contract, and that the grass was greener and Bellator. Somewhere in the middle of that is the truth, I'm sure. I'm probably more apt to believe Anderson and McCarthy in this situation because you don't seek a release from a a fight promotion if everything is going great and grand. You do so because they don't want to pay you and you can make more money elsewhere. Um, But I think the important part of all of this is that fighters start to think and listen to Anderson's advice, which is advice he got from Daniel Cormier and Eddie Alvarez. And if you look at Alvarez, you'll see he moves around a lot. That isn't because he's unwanted. It's quite the opposite. Alvarez moves around a lot because he goes where the money is. That's simply... That's If you boil it down, that's what he is doing. He's going where the money is. And... That's what Anderson did. Now, Anderson used to be one of those guys, and these are the guys the UFC counts on, 
where they would say, I'll fight for free. I just want to win the UFC title. Well, that's what the U- that's music to the UFC's ears because they know they can give you bad deals. And if you are good enough to get into the top five, which Anderson was, well then, your goal's attainable. UFC, UFC gold. But while you're trying to reach that goal, your money's not very good. Because when UFC knows your goal isn't money, your goal's a UFC title. Anderson finally figured out, after speaking to these folks, that's not going to take care of him and his family in the long run. What's, a UFC title's not going to do that. It's a temporary thing. What's going to take care of him and his family in the long run is cash. And so, go, go where the cash is. And that's the advice I would hope that a lot of UFC fighters, well not just UFC fighters, a lot of fighters would, would listen to. Go where the money is. If the money's not in the UFC, don't go to the UFC. The belt is a trinket. The UFC more or less said that in its in its uh, deposition in the antitrust case. It's a trinket. It's not worth much. It'll get you paid more temporarily. But it'll also tie you to the UFC in a contract that could be terrible. Because the UFC knows... Fans aren't tuning in to see fighters for the most part. They're tuning in to see UFC. Those three letters. Sure, if a Conor McGregor disappears for a while, the fans will miss that person. If a Nate Diaz or a Nick Diaz disappears, the fans will miss them. But in the big picture, long term, the UFC knows its fans will get over that and keep tuning in. And so... That's that's what it's the UFC's counting on. You to be a, a small cog in a in a big big machine. And if you go where the money is, if you're someone that can make that kind of money, like an Eddie Alvarez, and now maybe a Corey Anderson, a Leota Machida, a a Ryan Bader, a Phil Davis, well, Go get that money. Because that's the name of the game. Prize fighting. So, fighters need to heed the advice of, of Corey Anderson and Eddie Alvarez. Don't, don't chase a UFC title. Even if you get it. You're not going to make... Rarely, rarely are you going to make the kind of money that is going to set you up for the rest of your life. Yes, John Jones did. Yes, Conor McGregor did. Yeah, George St. Pierre did. Anderson Silva did. But the fighters that hold the belt for one fight, two fights, that's not that's not life-changing money for the most part. Um, especially the expenses that go into being a, a top-notch fighter. So... Chase the money, don't chase the gold. 
I found this next section kind of interesting. It's from John McCarthy and Josh Thompson's Weighing In podcast. And Josh Thompson, who, if you don't know, is a long-time, long-time mixed martial artist. And if he's wondering what the difference is between a knockout and a TKO, I'm sure many other people are wondering the difference between a knockout and a TKO. And who better to ask but John McCarthy. And here's his explanation from the Weighing In podcast. I have a question, though. Is yeah. why was it called a KO? Because there was a couple shots. It was because like, he went out. Okay, here, here's the it. definition. So every, And so everyone knows. You don't have to go completely out. Yeah. Under the unified rules, the definitions are this. If, as the referee, you stop a fight based upon the fact that the fighter is not intelligently defending themselves, it's a TKO. If you stop the fight because the fighter cannot intelligently defend themselves, it's a knockout. He doesn't even have to go unconscious because the cannot is meaning that their brain has been altered and they really don't know where they're at, even though they're still conscious. And the whole thing comes down to basically suspensions also, because you want to get someone that you say, hey, this person got hit and altered to the point. They didn't know who they were, but they were still there. You don't want to give them a TKO because that's going to be a 30-day suspension compared to a 60-day suspension for the KO. And you're really looking at trying to take care of the fighter and giving them more time off so they heal better. So when you hear the TKO, it's supposed to be, not that all referees do it right because they'll call it wrong at times, but it's supposed to be if the fighter is not defending themselves and you stop it, that is a TKO. When they cannot and you stop it, it is a KO. Gotcha. So, yeah, like I said, interesting conversation there between Thompson and McCarthy and something I think fans can look for, um, something to note next time you're watching a fight and someone gets gets stopped by strikes, see how see what's called and then the other important part which McCarthy covered was Watch what the suspension is, the medical suspension is following the event, and see if everything seems right. And it was a, a, a small thing, but I found it interesting, and I thought it was well worth sharing. So, and it gives you something to look for, look for um, during the next fight card. And you know we're going to have a lot of fight cards coming up. I know I've mentioned the Venom deal, the Venom outfitting deal in the past, but I just want to touch on another subject. But before I do that, I want to include this clip from Ariel Hawani when he was with MMA Fighting, speaking to Dana White the day of the Reebok announcement. And just want to point out, listen to what White says, because I'm going to come back to that and tell you that's not how it worked out and and you say that all the money all the revenue is going to the fighters now what does that mean i mean i'm assuming ufc will make money off of it as well so how do you divvy that up ufc won't make a dime off this a dime not one penny so what's in it for you 
this this is we're looking at this thing long term. Okay. Not not a short term six year money grab or anything like this. It's a long term play for us and uh, and and we're giving all the money to the fighters. Now that Reebok deal is coming to a close soon. And the talk of the Reebok deal when it was first struck was that it was worth $70 million. If you head over to MMA Junkie, you will see the latest headline in relation to that, not what's now called compliance pay, reads, UFC on ESPN 15 promotional guidelines compliance pay program total passes $35 million. You don't have to be good at math to know that the fighters are not going to receive even close to what the what the value of that Reebok deal was. And the reason for that is because the cost of the fight kits, the shoes, the team's clothing, um, anything that's included in that bag, including the bag that the fighters and their and their corners receive during fight week the the cost of that gear is subtracted from that 70 million so in in essence the fighters are paying for their own uniforms and their own shoes and these are things they're going to wear for outside of the, the fight kit itself that they're going to wear into the cage, they're paying for their those things they're going to wear for minutes. And that's taken off uh, the the cost of that $70 million. And I believe also taken off the cost of that $70 million is the 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 uh, what the UFC has to, the administrative fees, quote-unquote, so to say the UFC is not making any money off that deal, I think is pretty far-fetched. Because if, if, if they're asked to account for $35 million, the gear is not that, can't be that much. There's no way $35 million of gear is, is given out. Even if you account for that gear at retail price, which we know... It's not. It shouldn't be counted at a retail price because would these fighters have bought it if they weren't had if they didn't have to wear it? So this is something I think that needs to be looked at with the Venom deal. If you cook all these things into the cost, into the into the the fees that the fighters are supposed to get, that's that's again stealing from the fighters. So be more transparent. The UFC needs to be more transparent with this and provide a real number, not some inflated number based on administrative fees and taking the gear prices out and and everything. That's ridiculous. If if these fighters at the time of the Reebok deal said saw a $70 million deal, well, maybe they expected that that $70 million would all be going to them because that's what Dana White said. 
He said everything was going to go to the fighters. UFC wasn't going to make it done. That didn't happen. That did not happen. It should happen with Venom. And if it doesn't, transparency is the key. Transparency is needed. And maybe, maybe you let the fighters decide what they want and what they don't want in these bags that they're given every week. I mean, every fight card. Because if they're given a choice, maybe they don't need a new pair of shoes every time they fight. Maybe they don't need a new warm-up suit every time they fight. Maybe they don't need a new shirt every time they fight. Maybe they don't need new new trunks every time they fight. And if they opt out, well, maybe you give them some more money because they're saving the gear. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's something that should be talked about. And I also don't think that's going to happen because the UFC didn't talk about any of this with the Reebok deal. And maybe... There's got to be a different pay structure too to this compliance pay because it's it's terrible. Like, look at this. Frankie Edgar made $20,000 in compliance pay. Pedro Munoz made $10,000. You're going to tell me if Munoz and Edgar were given the option to get their own sponsors... They couldn't got sponsors for for total more than ten and twenty grand. No way, no way. They would have blew that number out of the water. This fight was on ESPN when there's not many other sporting events to watch. This outfitting thing is ridiculous, and it's made to make the UFC money. And cost the UFC fighters money. And if you don't agree with that. I don't know how you can argue that. Because it's clear as day. So. There's got to be some more talks. With this Venom deal. There's got to be transparency. And the fighters need to be included. In this discussion. They won't be. But. They really should be. If you watch the post fight press conference from Saturday's UFC on ESP 5, ESPN 15 event, um, Dana White was asked about Ovin St. Pru being pulled from the fight for after testing positive for COVID 19. What was strange about his reply was that he automatically said the doctors removed him and that any further questions should go to the doctors. And that struck me as odd. It struck me as quite the opposite of what the reply has been when asked about the protocol and the testing and the safety in the past. Now, I will admit the UFC has done a good job of keeping fighters safe and healthy during the during the uh, pandemic it started out shaky it and it, it has improved and the they 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 deserve that credit the UFC deserves the credit but what shouldn't happen is Dana White shouldn't brag about all the safety protocol and the safety measures and above and beyond he, he shouldn't brag about that on one hand and then when he gets a fighter and and a production team member that tests positive in the same week 
shouldn't play dumb and say he doesn't know anything and you have to ask the doctors. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to brag about the safety, about the safety, follow up and be transparent about the, the positive tests because the fighters deserve that. The media deserves that. Anyone in the building who was there for the fight, that fight card, or the weigh-in, or around St. Prue at any time, they deserve that. And it's, 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 that's just the way it should be. You, you can't have it both ways. You can't brag about everything and, and, and put the spotlight on you when everything is going well. And then when something takes a turn for the worse, which we knew it would happen because sooner or later it, it, was, it was bound to happen. The odds, the odds just said it would. You can't take the spotlight and then shine it on the doctor. You, you can't wash your hands of it. You can't say, well, we're doing great and we're doing great. You talk to me. When something bad happens, you talk to him. It doesn't work that way. So the media really needs to push White on this and get, a, get an answer. Um, and if he plays stupid, keep pushing because there's no way he doesn't know the answers to the question about St. Prue. And if he doesn't, if he actually doesn't know, that's, that's more frightening and, and, and more alarming because that means he's actively not asking the questions about it. And that does not say health and safety and above and beyond in health and safety. That says burying your hand, your head in the sand and ignoring the bad and hoping it'll just go away. And that's not acceptable. Cody Garbrandt has made some silly statements on uh, social media the past in the past little while. Um, after Sean O'Malley lost, he tweeted out something that O'Malley wasn't built for this or something to that effect. And today he tweeted out that he was glad that Aljamain Sterling finally got the title fight because he was sick of seeing him begging, clogging up his timeline. The first tweet's dumb because... O'Malley has lost one fight. Previous to his recent win, Garbrandt had been knocked out three times in a row. So come on, you're going to give this guy crap for losing one fight when you've just come off a three-fight losing skid. All by knockout. Come on now. And then you're going to give Aljamain Sterling shit for begging for a title fight that he has deserved for quite a while when you are getting a title fight in a weight division you've never fought in, never won in, you're one in four over the last few years with three knockout losses and you're being handed, gifted a title shot because the UFC likes you. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand how Garbrandt can be so he's just not self-aware or if he is eight now he can't be he can't be that he can't be self-aware at all he's just oblivious 
to everything going on around him and and what he is being what he's saying he just i don't know I, it was it, it's shocking that he's not being called out on these things by by anyone it's just real silly and i and i thought it, i'd mention it so cody garbrandt's getting the uh the come on now for this episode come on now i had two other things written down but um they're going to be probably more a little lengthy so and they they can be held till tomorrow and that is what i'm going to do and so i will be back tomorrow um until then stay safe